0: House this morning, mm. that it would be a word of faith and of filling and of life mm. and
1: of hope and of joy, in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 How are we doing with the PowerPoint? It's going to happen. <laughs> Great. Nice to be here. How are you all doing? You all right? Um It's nice to be asked to be the first person to preach after the stones leave, right? No pressure or anything, and um, and you know, I mean, you know, if you if you're new to the church, then you know, I, I I preach about once every five years. So come back next week, it's fine. Yeah, I'm down for September twenty-two next uh, twenty twenty-two. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about something that's been really close to my heart over recent months, and which God's really speaking to me about. But I really feel like this is a word. for us today, and I'm kind of a little bit nervous about stuff because I'm not sure whether I can articulate it very well, um, but I really feel this is um, something that God wants to do and um, and say to us today. And uh, as I've, this morning, meeting with different people, a number of things have just resonated so much with me. And um, I feel like I don't need to preach, actually, because Tamsin's song right there kind of sums it all up. I said this morning to God, I went for a little run, I said, I've got so many kind of bits and pieces here, and I don't quite know what's the real heart of what you're saying. And he said to me, uh, that today is the day that the Lord has made, is is his word for today. And Tamsin's song started off with the words, what was it, the first line? "Today, Today is the day of hope which kind of blew me away, actually. <laughs> um, let's uh, start off with a, a reading uh, from Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, first six verses. I think it's up on the PowerPoint. All right. Famous story. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then several verses later, verse 13. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites... This is after um, God has has said to him about um, what he's called Moses to do. Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites... I am, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. And then we'll just skip, again, really famous Bible readings here, but just to the very beginning of, of John's Gospel. the presenceness of God, not so much the presence of God, though that that too, um, but the very kind of the very nowness of God, the immediacy of God, the present tenseness of God, and the I am nature of God. Um, both the passages we've heard speak of the eternal mystery of God. Um, we sense from those passages that God is kind of outside of time, that time has no hold on him, that he is not governed by time. In fact, we know from the Genesis story that God created time and that the way we experience and are conditioned by time is somehow very different from God's understanding of time. In fact, time is one of those aspects of life and faith which really does require us to acknowledge that his ways are different from our ways. Um, it's, it's, it's something of the mystery of, of faith, isn't it? Uh, that entering into a relationship with, with God in some way requires us to give up something of our human understanding and surrender to the mystery of a supernatural creator God. So the encounter between Moses and God, the first of many extraordinary encounters, when you read Exodus and you just see those encounters between Moses and God, they're just incredible, aren't they? That, that times when he was met with God on the mountain and they taught face-to-face. They're just extraordinary. Uh, there's kind of nothing to quite compare with those encounters in the Bible. They're completely unique. Um, uh, and, and so this is the first of, of many extraordinary encounters that Moses had with God. And, and in this encounter, there's something about God reconciling past and future to the present. God remembers the cries of his people, makes known to Moses what he is going to do, but draws these together in a kind of incredible dynamism between, uh, of, of, of his presentness, and this is a given a, a really powerful emphasis by the picture of the burning bush that he sees in front of him. It's an extraordinary picture, the bush um, which is burning, but whose past and future is contained within the present. It sort of, it's like this object that has no end, right? This, this burning bush, it doesn't seem to have a past or a future. It's burning, but it's not consuming. Its past is Fully present, and its present is fully extended into its future. A bit like Tony Brown's last day at work before retirement, he just keeps on going. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, it's, a, it's a private joke between me and right. So God says to Moses, I am the God of your past. And he tells Moses to proclaim to the Israelites, I am. Who I am, and I am has sent me to you. And then he uses the the name Yahweh, uh, which is spelt as you probably know um, in the YHWH form. It's a divine name that's not really used much later in the Bible, but it is used, um, it's the most common name for Lord, which we translate in the Bible generally as Lord. But I love this name because it's intrinsically associated with the present, with the verb. Um, now, this is, this is where, okay, I'm, a, I'm just a piano player, right? This is, I'm, no, I'm no theologian here. But this is as much as I know or found out, right? And I don't know how you pronounce any of those words, but if you see those meanings, those derivatives of Yahweh, you can see it's about the kind of the implosion of time. There's something about it being, about God being, being very present, it's also a, a verb, if you like. There's, that Yahweh is often associated with the verb to be. It, it's a kind of active being. All right? So it's something that's present and active. Right? And that, for me, is somehow we get a sense of the essence of God through that name. Um, uh, it's who he called himself. My name is Yahweh. And uh, it's, it's this sense of be, him being present. And I think that comes to the heart of who God is, that he is present God, and an everlastingly present God. And this presentness, this beingness, is an extended present. It's eternal. So he said, this is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. All right, so far so good, but kind of Old Testament. So what about Jesus, who is fully God and fully man? And that's another mystery, isn't it? Another it's another mystery of faith the trinity but i'm not going to talk about that thankfully um but the, the the present tense theme is no less vivid in the life of jesus than it is in the encounter between moses and god at the burning bush john's gospel begins with the declaration of the eternal truth of jesus the word who from the beginning was with god and who was made flesh in this tiny pinprick of history just 33 years And it's something about the life of Jesus on earth. The timelessness of God enters into our time to conquer death. And that's how we measure time, really, isn't it? (laughs) In human terms, uh, life and death. That's that's kind of how we we define our our time scales. Um, And, and of course, God conquers death and, and, and is so far outside of time that we can enjoy the eternal presence of the creator. Believing in Jesus, entering into a relationship with him, means that death has no hold. Time is no restraint, and we enter eternal life. And this theme is just repeated again and again and again in the Gospels. This theme of eternal life. It's one of Jesus' hot topics. And, and in particular in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus again and again and again using these words... I am, don't we? It's not just an Old Testament phrase, I am, but it's a New Testament phrase, I am. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he summarizes God's word by saying his commandment is eternal life. In John's Gospel, he says that. So he could say his word is eternal life. All right. How we understand and experience time is very difficult to explain, isn't it? Um, and we probably have very different experiences of time at times in our life. Um, maybe occasionally, I've had this occasionally in my life, in a kind of a really acute awareness of the present. I'm sort of somehow, in a, maybe just driving the car or something, or sitting out somewhere outside, and I'm suddenly really aware of the presentness of my, life. my body, my hands, and... Do you ever have that, or is that just me, being a, bit, a little bit freaky? But suddenly, um, you, you kind of just get this sense of, here I am. Just, just occasionally, it happens in life. That, that sense of being fully alive right now, right here, right now. Um, kind of almost without regard for anything else, but just any way of my body, my breathing, all those kinds of things. But that's quite an unusual experience of time, I think. I don't often have that kind of sensation Uh, And I certainly have a very different understanding of time from the rest of my family, especially when we're trying to leave the house. (laughs) And um, I remember when I was a a child, I was brought up in in Devon, in a little village um, in North Devon, and um, we went to a very small Brethren chapel. There was about, I don't know, six or seven people there each Sunday. And uh, my family was four of those. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, um, uh, and I remember sitting, you're just quite quiet, and I remember sitting down in the, in the pew and it being often very quiet. You often have very little talking. Sometimes there was about some, like my grandfather or my father would stand up. The women weren't allowed to um, contribute to that part of the service. Crazy times, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, my, and sometimes they'd get up and say something, Um, or we'd sing a hymn or something. But often, in my experience as a child, I was just sitting in silence in this service, and I could hear the ticking of the clock. This huge clock just going really loudly ticking. I thought, time has never passed so slowly in my life, I tell you. If that's what eternal life, that's what they were talking about, eternal life. If that's what that's like, God, no way. No way. I don't want to have any part of that, you know. No way. So... You know, time and our experience of it passing changes, doesn't it, in different ways, in, in different contexts. I, I'm a piano player, um, and I often play a lot of very long pieces, um, at pieces that last an hour and a half, two hours, or something like that. And time um, sort of really cha- My experience of time when I'm playing changes hugely in those pieces. Um, you know, what I, is I know it's an hour and a half, but it feels like it's gone in half an hour. Whether that's true for the listener, I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> um, these things are difficult to put into words, aren't they? I love this quote from St. Augustine, who famously said, What then is time? If no one asks me, I know what it is. If I wish to explain it to him who asks, I do not know. Yeah? It's something so mysterious. right? Um, and I think in today's world, it's really hard just to stop... Um, and consider the present. You know, we live in a world of reviews and KPIs, key performance indicators. We're always having to reflect on the past and turn that into the future and put things into action and um, uh, reflect on what went wrong so that what we can do in the future, we can change that. and All those things are kind of good, good practice. Um, but um, it doesn't perhaps induce the behaviour which just allows us to stop in the moment. Always think about the past and the future. Um, And um, when we do consider the present, we're often saturated with information and images and choices, and the present's just confusing and scary. Um, So to stop and be still is kind of increasingly difficult and even alien uh, today. I want to emphasize today that God is a very present God, and that if we fail to recognize that he is present in every sense then we can only live in a restricted sense of the present. I want to let you know that if you're in any doubt that his presence brings peace, comfort, joy, healing, transformation, wisdom, affirmation, and most of all, love. And I want to suggest that his presentness is a reality no matter our circumstances. That he is no less present in the tough times than in the joyful times. And I want to suggest that God's presentness liberates us from our past, takes care of, and infuses our future so that our present may be transformed. That our past and our future come together in God's sense of the present. There is no kind of past and future in terms of our lifespan because God's present transcends all those things. He's an eternally present God. Right. I've Probably lost the plot a bit now. So that was a bit pretentious, but um, th- this is more pretentious, right? So I, so I, would, I want to—I um, want to talk about an experience that I have um, playing some music now. So I always like to bring in a bit of culture and education into my <laughs> thing, right. You know this. So, um, so the music I play, um, many of you know, is a, a little bit odd <laughs> at times. And uh, one of the composers I'm most known for playing the music is, is a guy called John Cage, an American composer. That's kind of um, what I'm known for playing. Um, and um, so I'm going to play you just a little piece. John Cage uh, composed a lot of his music using chance processes. He used to just you know, toss coins and make all kinds of decisions about the music using chance like that, all right? So that's quite... Okay, already I, I can see everyone's glazing over with that one, Right. <laughs> So I'm going to play you an extract of one of his earliest chance pieces now. Um, And uh, um, just so you get a little sense of, of how that might sound. This is from 1951. Do you reckon this works? Let's try. Good stuff, this, right? <laughs> Alright, I think well, that's fine. Yeah, all right. You get the idea. It goes on for 45 minutes. But anyway, I mean, that's... Alright. Great. Um, now, that's a good piece, I'm telling you. That's a good piece. So You've got to hear it. Um, Alright. Now, I'm a classically trained musician. That's, that's what, you know, that's how my training. And I'm... I'm Part of my job is that when I play Mozart, well, not that I play Mozart these days, but if I did, then it's all about how to make a journey from beginning to end, and I'm creating a story in some ways in my music, um, and trying to make connections between notes, ideas, harmonies, melodies, whatever, okay? In this music, there's no such story, if you hadn't already guessed. (laughs) And the, the pianist, David Tudor, who played in that recording, and that's an early recording from the 50s, he said about playing this music, because there'd really been no music that, like that to that point, um, he said that he had to be ready for anything at each instant when he played the music. I had to learn how to be able to cancel my consciousness of any previous moment in order to be able to produce the next one. So it's almost as if every sound is just valuable in and of itself, not in relation to the previous sound and not in relation to the sound that's going to come next. But that sound right there is... is, I have to give all my attention to the production of that sound right there. Okay? Now, there's something... Maybe I'm being fanciful. Maybe it's just a chance for me to play a bit of some music I like. But maybe I'm being fanciful. But for me, there's something really fantastic about that um, in terms of a spiritual approach as well. Um, God takes away our past. Uh, he forgives us of our past. There is, the past has no hold on our present when we live in a life with God. And um, uh, the future can also take care of itself. Um, I'm not being flippant about that, but, 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 but God can take care of the future. Um, and uh, focusing upon the moment, that presentness of the sound as a player, and the presentness of our life and our walk with God is what we have left there. That is our, that's how we live a fulfilled life in God, is being alive to that present, that present tenseness. It kind of goes against the grain, though, for us to be living in that sort of sense of the present, but I think there's something fantastically spiritual about it. Um, I'm not going to give a guidebook to how we live in the present now, because that would be tr- different for each and every one of us. But what I want to do, perhaps, is just flag up a few things that stop us from living in the present. Um, and I'm going to go whiz through these quite quickly. Um, so one is uh, fear and shame from the past. Stuff we struggle to let go of or dare to bring before him. The Things that we're ashamed of. Things that we've done, said or thought that we've left undealt with. But you know, not bringing those things before God means that we're not living in the present reality of God's grace. And we're effectively extending the past. God's got stuff for each of us today, now, so those things from the past he once dealt with and to release us from the burden they, they weigh upon us. Let's allow our past to dissolve in the warmth of his presence and in the power of his ever-present word. You know that story when Jesus goes to um, uh, Simon the Pharisee's house and there's two responses there Jesus draws, you know, alludes to. One is the response of Simon. Jesus was present there in the, at that party and Simon um, is the host uh, but, but Jesus uh, points to the woman who comes in to that party and who anoints his feet with her tears and who kissed him. And the difference of behaviour was you can be in God's presence and not recognise it. And you can be in his presence and recognise it. And it causes a change in behaviour when you recognise his presence. And that woman recognised what it is to be in the presence of God, in his presence. And Simon was in Jesus' presence, but didn't recognise it. He didn't really recognise what that meant. Um, and it was um, we, you know, we can be in his presence and not recognize him, or we can take his presence for granted even, but when we recognize who he is and then enter his presence, such that our guilt and fear turns into awe and wonder at who he is, then in an instant he removes our guilt from us, in an instant, and forgives us of our past and the things that have caused separation. And that is a present thing, it's a present reality, it's an instant thing. We don't have to work our way towards that step by step incrementally. That's who Jesus is. He forgives us instantly. It's amazing, isn't it? His presence. It's powerful. It's so powerful. Sometimes we can cling to the past as well. That stops us from enjoying the present. At one level it's a bit like a kind of glass half full, glass half-empty thing. You know, it wasn't like that in the old days, or we can, you know, we can think back to previous things. And sometimes those are great things that have happened in the past and so forth. Um, but, and we can cling to those experiences of God um, uh, rather than celebrate them. But you know, the clinging to them is not what God wants for us for today. All right? Um, it, we, can, we can neglect to, in, to know what God is saying to us in the present day by clinging to the past. Um, And because God is eternally present, those things He's spoken to us in the past can transform our present. So it's not saying forget our past. I'm not saying that. Um, but, but we must insist upon God being in our present experience over, over the past because that's who God is. God is I am, not I was. All right? So, Tamsin's song, this is the day. Today is the day. That's right. That's right. That's the right song. We talk about being born again. I don't particularly have a born-again experience in my life because I kind of was raised in this Christian family, and I don't have that sort of before-after thing. Um, but and maybe there's some other people in the room who... Maybe that's also true of you. But um, I do think of being born again as being this continual present thing. I'm continually being born again, right? Every day is a new born-again experience with him, Right? So we've continually been born again. Don't just think of that one occasion, all right? Um, when you first encountered his love, grace, and forgiveness. Let's keep on encountering that. All right. Um, next is feelings of unworthiness in the present. I loved Sue's um, word just now about the roof and the, the, um, not experiencing the, the, the rain. Um, today is a day you can experience the rain. Um, And maybe this is kind of related to guilt about the past, but maybe you're feeling you're not good enough today. And God wants you to know that he is always, always present and that his love is absolute and complete and is for you now. Don't wait. We're none of us worthy of his love. And that's called grace. None of us are worthy of his love, ever. And that's God's grace, that uh, he, he just pours out his love abundantly to us in the present, today, so there's simply no, there's no reason to wait. Today is the day to experience him, to encounter him. Busyness um, is a, 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 a way in which c- can sometimes prevent us from experiencing his presentness. Now, I'm all for us carving out time in our day as a particularly kind of devotional time, yeah? But knowing his presence is far more than a quiet time far more than a quiet time, though that's really important. But our present, our whole present, is enfolded in his presence. He is not I am just on a Sunday morning. He's not I am just in our quiet time. He's I am at our workplace. He's I am at our schools, in the cafe, down the park, in the shopping center, even in Meadowhall. He's I am wherever we are, down our street. God is eternally present, eternally present. So instead of relying upon carving out time for him in devotional, and again, that's completely brilliant and vital, I think, to our life as Christians, but we also need to recognise that the whole of our present experience, the immediacy of all of our day is in every part of our day. That God is present in all of our day. Um, so actually being busy is okay. There's nothing wrong with being busy. Right? I'm quite busy a lot of the time, and I'm sure almost all of you are too. Um, and so no guilt needed. But, but we don't need to worry about time management when we serve the author of time. Get into the habit of saying hi to God during your day. Going into a meeting, having a coffee with someone, taking your tray to your, your table. Um, just, just get into the habit of saying hi. We don't need to, a long, extended prayer. But just recognizing his presence in every aspect of our day. Yeah? He is altogether present. All right, quickly. Complacency. Um, despite what I've just said there is also so much to be said for appreciating the moment I would play you a piece but I haven't got time But um, this, there's, no, there's no rush in God's presence and just like in that piece I played there that each sound becomes valuable regardless of its context it was valuable to me anyway All right. uh, but you know, each moment is precious with him as well And there's opportunity in each moment. I think that my my feeling is that when our awareness of God's presence, his presentness in our lives, infuses the normal and the everyday, as well as the painful, the hurting times, the disappointments, he brings a stillness to our situations, which is a taste of heaven. And, And that is, again, regardless of the context of our lives. And uh, Finally, uh, worry and anxiety. The future can be worrying, can't it? Uncertainty about the future can bring about stress and anxiety, whether that's global uncertainty, and we know something about that at the moment, aren't we? Um, Or concerns about how you're going to find money for the next month, or whether it's worry about relationships or conflict situations. But God is eternally present, and if he is I am, then our entire future is part of his present. That's why prophecy is such a great gift, because it calls what is future into God's present. And we call today for the things that are in the future. We call out for them today in the present, because God's present is our future and our past and our present. God's God's present tense encovers all of those things. So we may not know what the future may bring, but when we live in the presence of I am, then we can hold at that future before him and surrender all things to him. My daily prayer is to to acknowledge him for in his presence in my life today and to surrender the future to him. All right? And uh, actually, the next PowerPoint, I think there's that wonderful section. I don't, I don't mean this flippantly, but from Matthew 6, I, I think it's... Just, this is Jesus' words, right? And it's just true. Um, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Look at the birds of the air, and uh, in the next slide. Thanks. So, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. There's a reality in that, isn't there? All right? But today's trouble is enough for today. I mean, I love the reality of what Jesus is saying there. That, but, but he's saying that, you know, I've got you. I've got you. And, um, well. Knowing I am does not necessarily change our immediate situation, or maybe not noticeably necessarily. But our behavior changes when we encounter I am, and that's the key. Moses was about to face some pretty grim situations when he encountered the burning bush. It was not going to get easy for him after that encounter. It really wasn't. Um, But his encounter with the I am equipped him with all he needed. So that's why in Psalm 46, we we read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Some translations have that as hope, some say help. Either way, I like both, so I'll take them both, right? That's great. Our very present help in trouble. So, um, I'm going to finish. Um, but this is what I felt God is saying to me today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the truth. We used to sing a song like that. Do you used to sing that song? <laughs> this is the day, this is the day. Okay, no, I didn't, I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. The memories, the memories. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. This is God's truth. Today is the day. What a privilege it is to serve a God who is alive today, who's fully available, intimate, gracious, and providing today. Why would we wait to encounter a God who is present today, who is ever-present? Why would we delay that? Why would we put that off for another day? By the way, we're not in an interim period as a church. Um, I don't believe there is such a thing in God's presence. What does interim mean? I mean that's, we're not in an interim period. This is what God is saying for us today. We're in a today period. God is for us today. And I believe that today, God wants to release things in us today that is right for today. Okay? Not about for when the next leader that we have comes in and, and, and joins us. But God has stuff for us today. So don't put your hope in the future leader, or anything like that, because God is our hope, our ever-present hope today. And I really believe that he's got stuff he wants to release in us today. I really believe that. Um, but there's one, there's one thing required of us, and in the reading from the Moses and the Burning Bush that um, we began with, there's another kind of I am. Did you spot it in the reading? There's another I am, but this time it's in the lower case. And that's the I am that Moses spoke When God called him, God called his name twice, said Moses, Moses, and Moses replied with three words, here I am. And for us to know the presentness, the closeness, the presence of God, we need to align our present with his and say, now, Lord, here I am. And we come to him in a way that's completely honest. There's no hiding from God, right? There's no hiding from God. Uh, And, you know, we take our shoes off. This is holy ground, right? This is not just about removing the clutter of the world, but it's also about saying there's nothing to separate us now. I I come before you as I am, fully available. Um, We come to the great I am, saying here I am. So that's what I feel God is saying to us today. I feel God's saying that today is the day that he made and uh, that we come to him saying here I am. I'd like us to do that as a church, Would that be all right? I'd like to, can we stand? And um, Jenny, maybe we can, we'll do um, just a bit of response there. So I just want us to... um, uh, Maybe, can we all just say, I don't, this is so corny, and I would never do this normally, but I feel I want us to do it. Um, Can we all say out loud these words, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we all say that? Mm. All right, all collectively? All right, let's go for that. Ready? This This is the day day that the Lord Lord has made. made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. it. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you are our creator and our ever-present hope. This is the day that you have made. And Lord, we want to say, as Moses did, we want to say, here I am. and We want to say, here we are. And Lord, we want to give you free reign to do exactly what you want to do today in our lives. Um, just spend a moment, Jenny's in the play, but we're not going to sing, just, um, just um, holding before him. If there's anything from... Your past that you feel has not been dealt with, that you just want to bring before Him, or if there's things that cause bitterness, or whatever, things that are separating you. I, I, I really believe that today is the day to deal with that. And why would you not take today? Just uh, hold your hands out, maybe, whatever's good for you, and um, say to God, who I am, I give you these things. I
0: God sees you. God sees you. And that was a word that I gave to Andy Stone several months ago and um I know that as soon as I gave it that someone else gave that word. But God sees you. God sees you. He looks at you. There is an intimacy of looking in your eyes and knowing that God sees you. He says, I am still your God, the God who saved you. I'm the only real God you've ever known. I am the one who delivers you. I took care of you during all those hard times. The years when you had nothing. I took care of you, took care of all your needs. I give you everything that you need. God sees you, God sees you. Sometimes we come to church and we do the church thing. But God sees you. He looks you in the eyes and he knows you. And he loves you and adores you. He sees you. Each one of you use, he sees. And there's a call on this church for intimacy. Intimacy with God and intimacy with each other. Because the big God of the world sees